You're listening to Metamodernism, a production of the Golden Age Collection, a 501c3 audiovisual archive based out of rainy San Francisco, California. Kicking off Chapter 8 of my look back on 2022's best music is Bad Love by Dead. Dead. This is Dead's third appearance on this podcast, making them the third artist with a three-peat performance. This past May, the Windy City Trio released their new album, Blue Skies, on Fat Possum Records. If you enjoy Dead's jangly garage rock sound like me, Blue Skies excels by not messing with what has worked so well in the past. I had the privilege of seeing Dead live twice in 2022, first at the chapel and then at my neighborhood venue, August Hall. College kids are on spring break, and I'm still stuck finishing up the assignment that was due at the end of the first semester. But if I'm doing my job right, you haven't heard of most of these songs anyways, so I'm marching on with the final four chapters. One of the benefits of this series stretching on for so long is that I get to follow up on my cover story about Live Nation Ticketmaster. To hear the original story, check out chapter one of my Best Music of 2022 series. On March 10th, The Cure announced their first tour in seven years, and from the start, Lead singer Robert Smith was vocal about keeping the ticket prices low and informed fans that tickets would be non-transferable. He said, quote, We want the tour to be affordable for all fans, and we have a very wide and we think very fair range of pricing for each show. We did not agree to the dynamic pricing, price surging, platinum ticket thing because it is itself a bit of a scam. I had a separate conversation about platinum 
to see if I'd misunderstood something, but I hadn't. It is a greedy scam, and all artists have the choice not to participate. If no artist participated, it would cease to exist. We had a final say in all of our ticket pricing for this upcoming tour, and we didn't want those prices instantly and horribly distorted by resale. We were told, quote, in North America, the resale business is a multi-billion dollar industry. The touts are sophisticated businesses that are expert at acquiring tickets, and the major marketplaces like Vivid, StubHub, and SeatGeek spend tens of millions of dollars on marketing. Ticketmaster's verified fan platform has been used more than 400 times to qualify ticket buyers and reduces the percentage of tickets on the secondary market, end quote. Robert Smith continued on Twitter, quote, we were convinced that the Ticketmaster's verified fan page and face value ticket exchange ideas could help us fight the scalpers. Using the verified fan system, scalping is regularly reduced by 80%, with typically fewer than 5% of tickets on the secondary market after a verified fan campaign, end quote. It's fascinating to hear Robert Smith give us insight into the ticketing process from the inside, essentially peeling back the curtain to reveal the abhorrent business practices plaguing the ticketing industry that I had mentioned in my original cover story. But when the ticket sales for The Cure went live on March 15th, some of the lower cost tickets were hit with fees more expensive than the tickets themselves. For example, $20 verified fan tickets had $27 in service and facility fees attached to them. And even though The Cure specifically set out to make these tickets non-transferable, that didn't stop sites like Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, and TechPick from trying to resell them. StubHub has listed resale tickets only in New York, Colorado, and Illinois, where transferability is legally required. When asked for comment about the listings, the company said it was, quote, disappointed in the use of ticket restrictions. StubHub will continue to fight for choice and competition and we encourage artists to do the same by keeping ticket transferability open and encouraging tickets to be distributed across multiple marketplaces. We believe this benefits fans by allowing them to use the platforms they trust, making pricing and quality service more competitive, and because they deserve the right to do whatever they want with the tickets they've purchased, end quote. Basically, StubHub wants to fight for your right to scalp your tickets, because without it, they would cease to exist as a business. In response, Robert Smith took to Twitter and said, quote, I am as sickened as you all are by today's Ticketmaster fees debacle. To be very clear, the artist has no way to limit them. I have been asking how they are justified. If I get anything coherent by way of an answer, I will let you know. I have been told that StubHub has pulled listings in all markets except New York, Chicago, and Denver, which are cities and states that have laws protecting scalpers. Please don't buy from the scalpers. There are still tickets available. It is just a very slow process. After further conversation, Ticketmaster have agreed with us that many of the fees being charged are unduly high, and as a gesture of goodwill, they have offered a $10 per ticket refund to all verified fan accounts for lowest ticket price transactions and a $5 per ticket refund to all verified fan accounts for all other ticket price transactions for all Cure shows at all venues. If you already bought a ticket, you will automatically get a refund. All tickets on sale tomorrow will incur lower fees." End quote. Thank you, Robert Smith, for standing up to Ticketmaster and their egregious business practices. As he mentioned, all artists have the choice to not participate in official platinum seats. If no artist participated, it would cease to exist. So I'm calling on artists who are forced to work with Ticketmaster. Please decline to participate in Ticketmaster's dynamic pricing offered through official platinum seats. It's a blatant cash grab by a greedy multinational corporation who's reaping millions of dollars in profit off of the backs of hardworking artists and creating a financial wall between artists and fans. 
Speaking of hardworking musicians, there were so many great artists making noteworthy indie rock in 2022 that I've had to break it up into two parts to maximize bitrate. For this reason, Chapter 8 will be the same as Chapter 7 thematically, both exploring all of the great indie rock released in 2022. The term indie rock is somewhat of a maligned umbrella term used to generalize a wide swath of independent music. It's for this reason that I have my own trepidations about using the term, but it's helpful to generalize when making these episodes. Apple's analytics tools show that over half of my listeners haven't yet followed this podcast, so be sure to follow Metamodernism on Apple Podcasts to stay up to date with the latest episodes as they come out. And if you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing Metamodernism, which will help more people discover the show. And for any of you degenerates who get your podcasts through Spotify or Amazon, I've got good news. I've begrudgingly listed Metamodernism on those inferior services, so from whichever platform you're listening, welcome. There's a lot of great music to get through, but before we get back to the music, please remember that artists make virtually nothing from your Spotify streams. So if you want to support the artists featured on these episodes, please consider actually purchasing their music, getting some cool merch, or buying a ticket to a show. Links to purchase all of the music featured will be in the show notes. And now, on with the show. In 2019, Hester Chambers and Rianne Teasdale formed Wet Leg. After a string of catchy singles, this past April, the British band released their self-titled debut album on Domino Records. Pairing quirky lyrics with garage rock fuzz, the band's debut made quite a splash in the indie scene. My favorite track from the album is a countercultural anthem embracing self-love. This is Too Late Now by Wet Leg.
Too Late Now by Wetleg off of Wetleg. Empath began in 2016 when Garrett Kolowski, Emily Shanahan, and Catherine Ellickson moved into a house in West Philadelphia together, with Randall Kuhn joining shortly after. This past February, Empath released their second album, Visitor, on Fat Possum Records. Talking about the record, singer Catherine Ellickson said, quote, Our approach to songwriting and what we consistently try to improve upon is finding the meeting ground between all of our distinct points of view and ideas we are trying to achieve sonically and conceptually. We never want to be tied down to one type of song or sound, and we love all kinds of improvisational music. We try to fit everything we love into each song and hopefully produce something new and exciting through that process of synthesis. Audio is taken from films, Minecraft, a cassette of nature sounds from the bayou, recordings of an air conditioner, and a church choir heard through the walls of a warehouse we rehearse in. It's a collage of sounds intended to produce a feeling of hearing life through the walls, end quote. Up next is my favorite track from Visitor, which answers the question, what if Vampire Weekend went punk on their first record? This is 80s by Empath. <laughs> the album Visitor. Rolling Blackout's Coastal Fever is an Australian indie rock band formed in Melbourne in 2013. This past May, they released their third album, Endless Rooms, on Sub Pop. From Bandcamp, quote, While initial ideas for Endless Rooms were traded online during long spells spent separated by Australia's strict lockdowns, the album was truly born during the small windows of freedom in which the band would decamp to a mud-brick house in the bush around two hours north of Melbourne built by the extended Russo family in the 1970s. 
There, its 12 tracks took shape, informed to such an extent by the acoustics and ambiance of the rattling lakeside house that they decided to record the album there and put the house on the album cover. For the first time, the band self-produced the record, alongside engineer, collaborator, and old friend Matt Duffy. The result is a collection of songs permeated by the spirit of the place, punctuated by field recordings of rain, fire, birds, and wind. It's almost an anti-concept album, says the band. The endless rooms of the title reflects our love of creating worlds in our songs. We treat each of them as a bare room to be built up with infinite possibilities, end quote. Up next is my favorite track from Endless Rooms. This is Bounce Off the Bottom by Rolling Blackout's Coastal Fever.
That was Bounce Off the Bottom by Rolling Blackout's Coastal Fever from the album Endless Rooms. In May of 2021, Glastonbury Festival announced a surprise headliner, a new band called The Smile, a trio consisting of Tom York, Johnny Greenwood, and Tom Skinner. Describing the band's sound, Pitchfork explained, quote, Perhaps unsurprisingly, with two of its three members coming from Radiohead, the Smile's sound echoes some of that band's vintage rock sensibilities, albeit stripped down into a three-piece. The differences lie in nuance, a slight bounce to Skinner's drums on a few songs, an unfamiliar aggression from Greenwood in the bass line, and the warm analog tones from the guitars and the Rhodes piano, end quote. This past May, The Smile released their debut album, A Light for Attracting Attention, on XL Records, which was produced and mixed by longtime Radiohead collaborator Nigel Godrich. 2022 marked the sixth year since we'd last heard from Radiohead following the release of A Moon-Shaped Pool, and The Smile does a great job of filling that void. If you missed The Smile during their run of shows in late 2022, be sure to catch them on tour this summer. Up next is one of my favorites from A Light Attracting Attention. This is The Smoke by The Smile. i 
by The Smile from the album A Light for Attracting Attention. While MGMT formed in 2002, their debut album didn't arrive until 2007. Oracular Spectacular set the indie scene ablaze and kicked off a new wave of psychedelic indie pop music in the late 2000s. When they released their dense psychedelic follow-up album Congratulations in 2010, it seemed tailor-made to throw off the fans who so quickly came on board due to the success of singles like Kids and Time to Pretend. But in the 12 years since its release, Congratulations has been reevaluated, and many fans consider it some of their best work. Following the release of Congratulations, on November 11, 2011, MGMT performed a 45-minute set of original music, composed specifically for the Maurizio Catalan retrospective show at the Solomon R. Guggenheim Museum in Manhattan. The set was a one-off show, with none of the songs ever played live again, nor appearing on the follow-up to Congratulations, 2013's MGMT. But 11 years after the performance, on November 11, 2022, MGMT officially released 11.11.11, the live recording from that night in 2011, which was recently mixed by MGMT and legendary psychedelic producer Dave Friedman. 11.11.11 showcases the band in a loose, hypnotic, and psychedelic form and is a rare time capsule of indie music that has recently been unearthed. The concert was designed to be taken in as a whole, so it feels odd to play a song decontextualized from the rest of the show, but up next is one of my favorites from 11.11.11. This is Forest Elf by MGMT.
was Forest Elf by MGMT from the album 111111. In my Best Music of 2020 series, I played a track by Real Estate, the jangly and lightly psychedelic suburban five-piece from New Jersey. This past June, Real Estate's frontman, Martin Courtney, released his second solo album, Magic Sign, on Domino Records. From Bandcamp, quote, When Martin Courtney was a teenager, he knew how to get lost. In the late 90s and early 2000s, there's Martin, loaded into a car with friends. They're navigating the suburban sprawl of New Jersey with no destination in mind. He said he and his friends would get thoroughly confused and look for familiar signs with arrows pointing to towns we'd heard of. We would call them magic signs. And that's the thing about magic. When you go looking for it, you start to see it everywhere. And you can hear it twinklingly throughout the 10 songs on Magic Sign, end quote. Up next is one of my favorites from Magic Sign. This is Outcome by Martin Courtney. <laughs>
was Outcome by Martin Courtney from the album Magic Sign. Barry is the indie pop project of Barry Lindsay, who hit the scene in 2018 with a handful of excellent singles, followed by their debut album Happy to Be Here in 2019. This past March, Barry released their sophomore album Barbara on Winspear Records. As Pitchfork notes, quote, Barbara is Lindsay's second album, but it might as well be her debut. Happy to Be Here, a 2019 album released under the same moniker, was actually the work of a five-piece band featuring Lindsay. The group disbanded in the time between that record's release and the creation of this one, end quote. From Winsbeer Records, quote, On Barbara, Barry battles the loss of a parent, the start of a new relationship, and the impulse to separate herself from her music. This result is a beautifully peculiar and quietly ambitious collection of synth pop, art pop, indie rock, and folk songs that reflect a new willingness to let listeners into her world. Barry said of the album, quote, Barbara isn't an album specifically about grief or love. It's just an album where I let myself actually feel my emotions. That was something I'd never done before in music, end quote. Up next is one of my favorites from Barbara. This is Frankie by Barry.
That was Frankie by Barry from the album Barbara. You may recall Energy 2000 from my Best Music of 2020 series. The duo from Richmond, Virginia has carved out a space all their own, with their warm synths and chilled out cosmic guitar riffs paired alongside spoken word samples from NASA missions. Cosmonaut or Psychonaut, their music speaks to the space explorer within all of us. This past April, they released a new EP called Opposition Surge. It's another excellent collection of space rock from the duo. Up next is my favorite track from Opposition Surge. This is Free Return by Energy 2000. Return by Energy 2000 from Opposition Surge EP. The Lazy Eyes are a four-piece psychedelic rock band from Sydney, Australia, 
After a couple of EPs, this past April, the Lazy Eyes self-released their debut album, Songbook. Talking to Psychedelic Baby Mag, they said of the album, quote, We started recording the very first pieces of this album in the middle of high school before we even knew it would turn into an album. During the making of the album, we learned so many things from scratch. How to record, mix audio, make album art, and the list goes on. And here we are years later with our first project fully realized. Songbook is our first baby, and it encapsulates the first era of the Lazy Eyes. Here's to many more, end quote. Up next is one of my favorites from Songbook. This is Nobody Taught Me by the Lazy Eyes.
That was Nobody Taught Me by The Lazy Eyes from the album's songbook. You may recall Reptalians from my Best Music of 2020 series. From Bandcamp, quote, Oregon natives Bambi and Cole started Reptalians in the mid-2010s as a multifaceted vehicle for their most adventurous urges. Across their first two Captured Tracks albums, FM 2030 and Vallis, they established themselves as dedicated dreamers and deep thinkers, filling their woolly homespun synth-pop with meditations on science fiction and philosophy. But this time, Reptalians are ready to be direct. After exploring surreal realms of high-concept synth-pop across two acclaimed albums, the duo found a newfound clarity in a stark, grounded approach. Recording at home in the sleepy west side of Portland, with deer and woodpeckers regularly popping into their tree-lined backyard, the duo played all of the instruments themselves this time. The result is a departure that in fact only emphasizes the band's melodic gifts." End quote. This past January, Reptalians released the culmination of these recordings, called Multiverse, on Captured Tracks. And up next is one of my favorite tracks from Multiverse. This is I Feel Fine by Reptalians. <laughs>
was I Feel Fine by Reptalians from the album Multiverse. South Korean band Seisumi hit the scene in 2012 with their dreamy and jangly blend of indie rock. From Pitchfork, quote, The South Korean indie rockers wrote and recorded half of their international breakout, 2018's When We Were Together, while their original drummer, Kang Semin, was in a coma. They called in another drummer to help finish the album, and the songs they recorded with him took on a wistful remembrance for their ailing friend. Right before the band's first North American tour was set to kick off, around the end of 2019, Semin passed away. Still, they soldiered on. When the pandemic put a halt to their touring, the band kept working. With time to reflect on the whiplash of sudden success accompanied by the loss of a friend, they retreated to their Busan studio to work it all out. The band's third LP, The Last Thing Left, is the result of their soul-searching, end quote. The album was self-recorded and self-produced during lockdown at the band's own Busan studio. The band said of the album, quote, This album has the theme of some realization, eventually the realization of love, love in relationships, love for oneself, and the ultimate love gained after realizing those two things, end quote. Up next is one of my favorite tracks from The Last Thing Left. This is We Look Alike by Say Sumi.
That was We Look Alike by Sei Sumi from the album The Last Thing Left. In the metamodern era of peak media, there are occasionally some casualties. AMC's sleeper show, Lodge 49, was a standout show amidst a sea of mediocrity. One of the many reasons the show stands out is its eclectic soundtrack, which showcases music from a range of genres and time periods, including indie and surf rock. But the sound of one band in particular seems to perfectly encapsulate the sonic tone of the show. Formed in 2007, the Sound Carriers are a UK-based psych rock group whose sound is a blend of kraut rock, English folk, library music, tropicalia, jazz, and lounge, as well as the pop end of psychedelia. In January of 2022, the Sound Carriers released their fourth album, Wilds. Even though seven years had passed since their last release, the band sounds as sharp as ever. The recording of Wilds was staggered over a few different locations, from cottages to primary schools, before finishing in an art gallery. Band member Paul Isherwood said of the album, quote, The session started in a cottage, in the wilds, so there's a literal meaning to the album title. But figuratively, we've been pretty much in the wild for the last few years, as far as a lot of people are concerned. The beauty of recording in non-studio studios is that you have time for the unexpected to happen, which is really what keeps you coming back for more. The record has been through a lot of stages. It's almost been circular. We started off wanting to do an album of more shorter, concise tracks, and then sort of sidestepped into some more spacey ambient ideas, so in a way, the album is kind of a synthesis of the two phases, overall carrying on with many of the themes and influences of the first three, but in a more focused approach. We've always done things our own way, and without any kind of outside pressure. Making music like this keeps things fresh, and you always lose something and gain something as you go along, but I think of it as just another chapter, end quote. Up next is one of my favorite tracks off of Wilds. This is Waves by The Sound Carriers.
That was Waves by the Sound Carriers off of the album Wilds. In my Best Music of 2020 series, I talked about my love of Polaris, the made-for-TV band whose album, Music from the Adventures of Pete and Pete, played an integral part in shaping my taste in music. Polaris was an offshoot of Miracle Legion, the jangly indie rock band fronted by Mark Mulcahy, whose last ever show was played at the chapel in 2017. I was fortunate enough to be in attendance at that show, but for those who missed out, the show was recorded and is now immortalized and available for download on Miracle Legion's Bandcamp. Between Polaris, Miracle Legion, and recording solo, Mark has had a prolific output of consistently catchy indie rock. This past November, Mark released Petals in the Well, a collection of songs recorded for various films but were never used for one reason or another. Mark described them as a bunch of misfit songs that sat in a drawer until now. The record is a fascinating look at what might have been if any of these songs had ended up being placed in films as originally intended. Up next is one of my favorites from Petals in the Well. This is Please Think Like Me by Mark Bulcahy. That was Please Think Like Me by Mark Mulcahy from the album Petals in the Well. Who doesn't like a comeback story? We last heard from Icelandic indie pop group Sea Bear back in 2010 with their album We Built a Fire. After a hiatus of 12 years, the Icelandic collective have returned with a new album called In Another Life. Explaining the hiatus, the band said, quote, We had all focused on other projects, solo careers, playing with other projects, other forms of art, working normal jobs to make a living, etc. It's nice to finally come together again with old friends and make music. We stayed in touch all along. During dinners, one question would come up again and again. What would Seabear sound like today? After accomplishing so much together, we were indeed thinking a lot about the past, how it all began. This is what sparked the reunion and is also reflected in the lyrics, resurrecting our youth, hopes, and dreams, end quote. Up next is one of my favorites from In Another Life. This is Running Into a Wall by Seabear. Everybody's calling, but I can't 
That was Running Into a Wall by Seabear from the album In Another Life. Wilco is perhaps one of the longest-running bands featured on this list. From Bandcamp, quote, The dynamic Chicago rock band Wilco returns with its 12th studio album, the first of its kind. Cruel Country is the band's exploration of the genre they've often been defined by, but until now have never fully embraced. The double album features 21 Jeff Tweedy pen tracks, made almost entirely of live takes, created with all six members together in the loft for the first time since the 2011 release The Whole Love, end quote. I'll be the first to admit that I've never been a fan of country music, so even though I'm a big fan of Wilco, much of Cruel Country wasn't exactly my cup of tea. Setting aside my qualms with the genre, Cruel Country has plenty of pleasant moments throughout, and up next is one of my favorite tracks from Cruel Country. This is Bird Without a Tail slash Base of My Skull by Wilco. There was a man with a double D So full of sea Seed began to grow like a garden full of snow. When the snow began to melt like a ship without a belt, when the ship began to sail like a bird.
from the album Cruel Country. Back in 2003, Sufjan Stevens capped off his magnificent ode to Michigan with one of my favorite songs he's ever written, Vito's Ordination Song. As the name implies, it was written for his friend Vito Ayuto, who had recently been ordained as a pastor. Five years later, Vito and his wife Monique started recording music as The Welcome Wagon and tapped Sufjan to produce their excellent debut album called Welcome to the Welcome Wagon. The Welcome Wagon would go on to release two more albums in the 2010s. From Bandcamp, quote, In the very early morning of July 1st, 2017, Pastor Vito Ayuto stood before a bonfire on a grape farm in the Central Valley of California, just outside of Fresno. It was still dark, the embers of the bonfire rising onto an infinite black sky. Vito's arms were around his wife Monique as they watched the morning light slowly illuminate the face of their 10-year-old son, Isaiah. Soon, they would fly back to Brooklyn to a life left behind two months before, a life that had begun to feel unmoored, maybe even unbearable. But the sabbatical trip had been filled with moments of grace, large and small. Vito knew something had been restored. He was ready to go home. He said, quote, It felt like we had been changed, and so to go home was going to be all right, end quote. That feeling of being welcomed back into your own home, your own life, your own family, and your own faith pervades Esther, the fourth release from the welcome wagon. Shortly after Vito returned to Brooklyn, he found himself holding his guitar and allowing his fingers to play a few notes that just felt right. Those notes would come to remind him of the morning outside Fresno and would eventually come to be Isaiah, California, the first song on the album and the first song written for it. Over time, other songs arose, and Vito captured them with gratitude. An album began to take shape. As much as Esther is about homecoming, it is also about making peace with, and home in, uncertainty. In both family and faith, there is a sense of profound knowing, an equally profound mystery, which The Welcome Wagon explores lyrically and sonically." End quote. The album is named after Monique's grandmother, Esther, who used to send Monique cassette tapes of herself reading the Bible. The Welcome Wagon sampled some of these recordings and scattered them throughout the album, which was pretty metal. To close out this chapter, I'll be playing my favorite track off of Esther. I'll be back again soon with chapter 9 of Metamodernism's Look Back on 2022's Best Music. This is Isaiah California by The Welcome Wagon. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden You're the sun 
California Seeing my Monte A summer In the morning, by the fire 